and welcome back to another episode of the Practice Players Podcast. This one's going to be fun. Definitely excited to have Mr. Drew Evenson on. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to get this underway. Yeah, definitely should be a lot of fun, even though uh, he got the dub over me this past week, but we won't hold that against him too much. But Drew, for the people who don't know who you are, if you just want to briefly explain your basketball journey and how you ended up in your current role with Minnesota. Yeah, so um, I, I started playing basketball when I was a little kid, but then around second grade, I stopped and I actually transferred to hockey, and I played hockey all the way through high school, and I um, got to college and I was done with hockey, and I, I followed basketball for the past few years in high school, and I saw that there was opening many positions at the University of Minnesota here, and I applied my sophomore year, went through my first year, and then was promoted to head manager for my junior year, which I'm currently in. Yeah, and that sort of perfectly segued into something I wanted to ask you is, how'd you go from playing hockey all that time? I saw you were a goalie for a while. What made you not want to work in hockey and decide, all right, I want to pursue a basketball career? Well, so um, I played behind a lot of good goalies growing up. In my hockey, was the big sport, I'd say. It was running on the board of Minnesota, and Minnesota's known as the state of hockey. So it was pretty relevant. And um the goalie ahead of me was, he's actually playing juniors now for a Chicago junior team. So he's pretty good. He was leading the state in saves. I was riding the bench, you know, just being, being the team guy. And then um, before my senior season, two weeks before I got diagnosed. And so um, I never got that sense of playing, competing at the high, highest level and like starting and playing almost every game, being the guy in that. So I kind of just lost my love for the game. And I find it difficult watching hockey sometimes, but I'll I'll enjoy it, you know, get a look back at the good old days. And then basketball is just there for me. I liked how creative players can get how um, the team aspect was. And I was big in the sports, so I said, why not make the switch and do a just dive headfirst into it? I feel like, you know, Dave and I know this, obviously, and, and, and managers do so much behind-the-scenes stuff, and, and we do so many things that, you know, people don't realize. So I want to ask you, Drew, what are your favorite parts about being a student manager? I think some my favorite parts have to be just being involved with the team on a day-to-day basis. And some people, like, from the outside look at us, it's such a small part of the program. Like you said, people don't know exactly what we're doing. Is that I th- in-house, you know what you're doing. You know how big of a part you are to the team. And that feeling of, like, when the team wins, you win. When the team loses, you lose. Even even the losses, I, I like, I like to reflect on because I was there for it, especially being um, lucky enough to travel with the team this whole year. Like every game I'm there with them, I'm there every step of the way. And I just like the aspect of just being with the team and the team atmosphere and like building a culture as we have a newer coach here in his third year. And this is my second year. I'm there for most of the culture building and just kind of setting the tone for Minnesota's basketball future. Um, what's been your favorite game moment kind of situation that you've that's been your favorite throughout your entire career as being a manager? I think it has to be the Rutgers home game last year. It was a weird game because we were down by like I think it was twelve with a few minutes to go, and we just started coming back, and then we had this kind of pitchback play like um, Villanova ran to win their championship at the buzzer. With Jameson Battles, David is very familiar with, and he hit it at the buzzer. 
and the odd part about it is that they had like it was clean he got it off in time but they reviewed it for like 20 minutes after it went in and it went in right at the buzzer and so we're like what are they looking at because he got it off on time and I think they were looking at when the ball was inbounded but it was just a weird feeling because like we're sitting there for 20 minutes and we got to celebrate the win twice like a buzzer beat it twice in one night like nothing can beat that moment I felt like and it was just cool because it seemed like it was it was our last home game at the arena. Well, actually, it was our second to last at the arena that year, and it was just cool getting a win in front of the home crowd at the buzzer there. Yeah, and I remember watching that game, and I think Jameson after like ran over and hugged his grandma. I think she was there. So that was a yeah, he, really cool moment. And then um, like he came back to the court, and we're all we're all just standing there, like we're no one's on the bench, everyone's on the court because it's raised. And we're all just, like, looking around. We're all lost. It's silent in there. You hear booze starting to come down, like, five minutes into the review because no one knows what they're looking at. And I guess I'm not 100% certain, but I believe it was when the ball was inbounded. So it was just like, can they really, like, call it back after we just made that shot? Like, you think they'd hit that at that time. And, you know, you'd have to adjust before the shot. You can't really go back. So, luckily, it, it withheld. Yeah, talking about the barn and the raised court, I guess I kind of want your opinion on it because we only play on it once a year, if that. Do you like having, for people who don't know, we'll put a photo up, the bench is like below the court and the court itself is like elevated. So it's just two baskets to court, no chairs, anything. You have to walk upstairs to get on it. I feel like it's fun, but it's also annoying. Now, manager-wise, it it can be annoying like because everything's in the basement there. So like other arenas, like, Yours, for example, you walk out on the court, same level, everything's there. But we have to carry everything up the up the stairs there, uh, find an elevator to get it up. But I think the race court, there's nothing better. It gives you that like home home um, arena advantage there. And it's like even Wisconsin when they come here, they practice at their shoot around falling off the court like safely. And our guys like they're used to it, so they they got that awareness, the spatial awareness, and um. When you're standing on the side there, it works good for stretching out your calves during practice. When you're standing on the side there for a bit, you just dip your ankle down a little bit, and you get that good calf stretch. Is that how you got so bouncy throwing down those windmills? Yeah, yeah, no. Wait till June. That, is that what Flight said? Wait till June. And I'll be <laughs> not, not this June. Give me until like a year from June. Give me a, give me a year and a half about and Drew, you had you had mentioned uh, that you've traveled a lot this season, specifically with the team. What's your favorite venue uh, that that you've gone to this year? Because we we all have ours. Ooh, I think um my favorite arena I visited, I think is Purdue, and that's that has to be some bias because we're we're in they're number two in the country, but I think the atmosphere is crazy there. And um, as a manager, getting experience, all that stuff. It was it was cool to be in the game against a team and like feel like we're at a threat to be one of the, like I think that's the first team to win there all year. That would have been and so I thought that was that was just a cool experience being there and experience like how crazy Big Ten fans can get. But also Assembly Hall has to be up there and just like how historic it is. Um, when you're when you're on the court, like we got in for shooter on, we entered at the main level and we walked down the stairs to the court and then we look up and we just see all those rows of stairs and. Then when it comes to game, you walk in, you see that student section right across from the opposing tunnel. And it's just like, it's never ending going up. And so it's just very intimidating walking into. And I feel like that's the feeling you should get when you walk into an away arena. Is you should kind of feel the atmosphere, feel the pressure, 
and like want to bring it more. Yeah, Dan, you're definitely going to have to prepare for all that. Yeah, it's no, crazy. I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, I'm, I'm not looking forward to the travel in terms of just how far we're going to have to go because obviously when we go to the Big Ten. We'll have, I mean, we'll have the California schools. That's not too bad of travel. And then when we go play Washington, but we have to go to, you know, Happy Valley, Pennsylvania or Columbus, Ohio, or we go to Minnesota. Those are going to be Rutgers, even. Yeah, Rutgers. That's another great example. It's going to be a lot of travel for us, but I think the new environments for my senior year, I'm really looking forward to the environments at least, but I think just the travel is going to be the part that's going to be kind of frustrating at times. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think um, how they said it's going to work is like for us, especially like you go out there and play the teams and then you go back out. And so I think it's just cool that you get to experience that kind of change in scenery especially with it being our last year, it'd be cool to experience stuff that our first year we didn't think would be possible. Yeah, no, absolutely. I never thought in freshman year that in three years I'd be going to like, like you said, like Rutgers or Maryland or, you know, Indiana. Those are just places that I was like, oh, you know, they're cool venues, but probably never going to go there. So definitely excited for the change of scenery for sure. Well, I don't like that. The Jerome Schott Scene Center at Value City Arena did not make any of these lists that we've been talking about, but I might be a little biased. It, it yeah, was not. definitely up there. You know, um, I, I like Ohio State because that was my first road win in the Big Ten. I remember that. <laughs> and so I, I, I remember that arena. It holds a special place, but I, I think the, I think the Purdue up there in Indiana, those are hard to, hard to match sometimes. Yeah, no, those places are historic, and I'm glad that I could be a part of such a memorable moment for you. I <laughs> appreciate it, David. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, but something I definitely wanted to get into. I guess I'll start it off with a quote that you said at your end of the uh, Big Ten feature that they just did for you, and I thought it was very powerful. You said, if this is going to take me, it's going to have one hell of a time trying to do that. And for those of you who don't know Drew's story quite yet, we'll let him get into it more, but he had a long battle with cancer. And I think doing that such a young age on top of all this manager stuff, on top of school, on top of just, you know, wanting to be a young adult kid. I think that's, I mean, part of my language, fucking powerful and really tough. So I just want to applaud you and give you your flowers for that. And if there's any sort of message or story that you want to share with the world about that, obviously, sure, people would love to hear it. Yeah, I, I appreciate those kind words. Um, I think the thing about my story is that if I, I always think about when people ask me, especially um, since the Big Ten, like our first road trip to Nebraska, like fans were kind of pulling me off to the side. I'm, I'm trying to do my manager stuff, and I always appreciate them, like um, just their kind words and saying that they're happy that it's going on that stuff. And I think the one thing that I hope to stick around from people is that like positivity can just go a long way. And like showing up and doing something you love can help you in tough times. So if you find that one thing that you really love doing, which for me was being a part of this team, not just being a man, but being around this team, being a part of the team and helping like to something bigger than myself really gave me that edge I needed and motivation towards the um, later end of my treatment. At the early end, it was always just trying to stay positive. Is I think you can speak anything to existence if you're positive and you're going to have that support staff with you, like your family, your friends. Everyone around you, and I was fortunate enough to have those people where I could 
just the positive mindset was all on me. I felt like I had all the tools and really it was just up to me to keep that positive mindset going. Amen. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, that's, that's incredible. Um, I mean, I don't know, like for us, obviously like that's, you know, if that happened to any of us, it just are, that's just life changing. So the fact that you were able to get through that is just remarkable. Um, late night rebound call. That. Um, I, I don't know what that's for yet, but we'll figure out that later. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll get back to, back to where we're going to ask you. Um, if you had to take one skill from any player that you've been around, whether that's on your Minnesota team now, if you want to shout in your guys out or just in your entire life, what would it be and, and why? What would that skill be? I think the skill I'd have to take would have to be Joshua Joseph's vertical. I think to be that agile and um, just freak athlete would be insane to have. Is when when I go to try to touch the rim, I can barely get backboard sometimes. I'm close. I'm getting closer and closer. But for him, I feel like he could touch the top of the backboard on any given day if he wanted to. And um, especially with Elijah Hawkins being able to just throw a lob anywhere near him and being able to catch it, I think is just like crazy to think about and how freak of an athlete you have to be to do that. And now I'll give a little fun spin off of this. Your coach, Ben Johnson, was a pretty solid player back in the day. If there's one skill that you could take from his game and add to your own, present day Ben Johnson, what would it be? So, like, I in practice sometimes, like, you don't, you don't always expect, like, you don't always know what to expect. And I think um, he really um, surprised some of the guys with his energy in practice when he just steps in, stepped into a drill. I was like, no one was expecting him to go and bring the energy like he is. So I feel like just the energy, especially as a coach too, his energy is phenomenal. And like, that's why I'm so fortunate to learn from this. Like he brings just energy to everything he does. Um, I wanted to ask you, it's some of the questions you asked us, I guess. What is kind of your career goals? Where do you kind of see yourself? Five to ten years down the line, I hope to be inching my way closer to a front office job in the NBA. Like I, like I said earlier, like I love that team aspect. I love building te- like building teams and like trying to set like culture, set the tone. That's why I'm so fortunate to be where I am right now. Is with um, the new coach and Ben Johnson. He's building his culture, and I can see what it takes to build a culture and like going through all the adversity that we went through last year and turning into how this year is going so far. It's like really cool to see. So. I want to hopefully inch my way towards a, that kind of career. And I feel like that starts in like a video room somewhere, a scouting department. I feel like just taking each day to get my skills better is going to get me to that point. Yeah, well, talking about team building, we'll do something fun here. Hopefully Nick and Dan are proficient enough in their Big Ten basketball. We'll do a little 5v5 practice players versus Drew. Big 10 current players draft. And since you're our guest, you can get the first pick and we'll bounce back and forth from there. I'm going to have to pick my, my guy, Dawson Garcia, as the first pick right there. I got to say two of my guys. I respect the loyalty and I love it. Big on loyalty, but I'm also here to win. I'm not going to let anyone else mess this up. Zach Eady.
Who's in the, am I going again? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah we're we're going to be one team. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was a little confused there for a second. Okay, no, you're good. Uh, who am I going to take next? I, li- I like Tominaga out of there. Ultimate Green. Actually, wait. I'm going to go Boo Booey. That's who I'm going to go with okay. right there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it to Boo Booey right there. I'll take our next pick. I'll take uh, PPP alum as our point guard, Bruce Thornton. Love it. Love it. I'll, I'll follow up with um, Khalil Ware. Well, you, you stole my pick. I was going to give a little duck shout-out to Khalil Ware. That's my guy over <laughs> there in Indiana. So that's, that's a good pick, Drew. Um, I was going to try to get the Twin Towers with Khalil and Zach Eady for our team, but I'm gonna have to switch up. Uh, switch up. I'm actually gonna go uh, a teammate of one of my guys, Quincy Gary, up at Illinois. I'm gonna go Terrence Shannon Jr. Uh, Illinois for one of our wing spots. And then I'm, I'm gonna also pick one of my own guys here, Elijah Hawkins. You can see everything on the floor at any given time. Leads the Big Ten in assists. Just absolute insane vision. All right. Well, you know, now's the time to show love. You know, Bruce. Shannon, Edie, it's a lot of offense. We need an energy guy, someone to help Edie down low, get some boards. We're going to go with PPP alum and a good friend of ours, Jackson Kohler, in that four spot. Then, um, for my, my last spot, I need I need like a three guy. And so I'll, I'll go with um, my former guy and your, your current guy, Jameson Battle there at the three. That's who I was going to take. Anyone? You two? You two have anyone for our three? Yeah, I'll 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 take the bone. I'll be selfish and do another pick here. You know, we have a lot of guards. I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm a, I'm gonna take Tyson Walker. We're gonna figure it out. It's a lot of ball between Bruce, him, and Shannon and Edie, but we're gonna figure it out. Bring him over. Team him up with his Spartan teammate Jackson. So what do we got? Team 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 PPP. We got Bruce Thornton, Tyson Walker. Terrence Shannon Jr., Jackson Kohler, Zach Eady versus Drew's team, and we'll let him break that down. You know, I got um, Clearware, Dawson Garcia, Jameson Battle, Boo Booey, and Elijah Hawkins there. I, I like my odds there. I like it's my. A lot of, it's a lot of size on your team, Drew. I will say we do have there, Zach. There is a lot of size. There, there is. We'll we'll find a way. We'll find a way to get through him. Yeah, I like it. Let us know down below who you thinks gonna win that matchup and drew will sort of open the floor to you if you have any other things you'd like to bring up any questions for us anything in specific if not that is also a okay you guys um asked me what my most memorable game was so i want to ask you guys all the same i'll let i'll let's have nick go first all right well you know like does most memorable have to be positive because my most memorable game there, there's negatives we played a game last year against colorado state where isaiah stevens who is averaging 18 and 7 tops for conference player of the year last year hit a 40-foot buzzer beater to tie us to go into overtime and then he had a step back three with four seconds left in overtime down to or the win. And we were pretty much controlling the whole game. And it was at 
at home too. And I was just blown away. He had like 32 on the night. It was one of the most insane games I've ever witnessed. Now I'm going to go positive. I'm going to go this year. We played at the pit when our freshman point guard goes off for 25 and we beat ranked New Mexico at home, sellout crowd. And we get to wave by the fans, right? That student section right at the end of the bench. Three. That was a fun win this year. You're a troll. <laughs> I am troll. Also, Isaiah Stephen there, he's he's a bucket right there. Um, our assistant coach here, um, Dave Dorson, recruited him to Colorado State, actually, and he had some high praise for him there, too, so I, I had a lot to respect about his game there. He, he's tough. Yeah, he he's is. He's very tough. Great player. Yeah, he is. I'll go. I'll also do one memorable in a good way and one memorable in a bad way, too. I like that idea, Nick. Um, the first bad moment, I think, that I remember, at least from from my manager career, was definitely freshman year. We had a U- USC come in. Um, it was a huge game for us in our season. We were right around the bubble, and we needed a win. And we actually had beaten UCLA, who was number, I want to say number nine or ten at that point, two nights earlier. And Drew Peterson, who, who was a guard for white guard for U- USC, came down and, and hit a three. We we're up one, hits a three to put us down two with like five seconds left in the game. Just an absolute dagger in our student section. Just was cheering the loudest possible. It was probably the loudest MK had gotten all year and hits the shot and just devastating. So like that, that type of memory is, is definitely memorable, but in a bad way. Probably my favorite memory I would say so far was actually in a big rivalry game versus Oregon State uh, last year, my sophomore year. Um, Rivaldo Soros, who's now at Oklahoma, was having a great year. And also PPP alum, shout out Waldo, um, hit a game winner with about one second left. At low shot clock, there was like four seconds left in the game. Will Richardson, our point guard at the time, kicks it to Waldo. Two seconds left on the shot clock. Just one dribble, 18-footer, tie game, hits it to put us up two. And even though Oregon State was wasn't very good it's still a rivalry game and and back-to-back years we've had two-point victories there in Corvallis so that was definitely the most memorable uh shot and and game for us for sure because that definitely turned around our season at that point that help uh sort of alleviate some of your sorrows from those Cowboys losses I didn't didn't know that the Cowboys are being brought up here on this podcast the playoff losses have been tough Seems good now, so I have I have that to look forward to. Yeah, my personal favorite Oregon win that I watched was this year. Freshman point guard Jackson Shellstead, onions forty five foot three against team up north. I mean, that was poetic. I love that. Yeah, I was I was gonna go with that one, but I figured that you'd bring it up. So yeah, that was that. Yeah. Drew, you must have liked that too. Is I assume you don't like Michigan either. So that whoa, 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 whoa! Don't curse on the pod. Oh, sorry, it's Michigan. Michigan, the team up north. My bad. Team up north. The one thing I found unique about the Ohio State campus was there was no M's that were not crossed out at all, and so that that was just like funny to see that. And then I think. I forgot who did this, but we were at the arena shooting around, and someone before we left inputted the fo- the football score onto the scoreboard before we left shooting around this year. 
I don't, I don't know if anyone saw that, but I, I just remember seeing that walking out, and we were all laughing at that. It's because we had um we had people on our team who they they grew up Michigan fans, and then people grew up Ohio State fans, and so it was it was just like it was a weird weird joke right there. Cause some people liked it, some people did not like that. Yeah, no, I don't remember seeing that. It might have got cleared. I wish I could have uh put up the score at the barn if I knew that happened, but I don't think the scoreboard can go that high. Ooh, I I only went to one football game this year, and it was against the team up north. And second play of the game, pick six, and I'm like, it's going to be a short game for me to be at. I'm I'm going to be out of here quickly. <laughs> and Nick, Nick cheesing up there because even though he bleeds red and his team's red, he's a diehard Wolverine, which is one of the football. many flaws Wolverine, about him. Wolverine football. My my yeah, whole that... family is from Michigan, Ann Arbor, 15 minutes right outside. So. Got to getting to see them. I actually, we were gonna go to the game um, against Alabama right after New Year, after the New Year, and um, Coach actually had that day off, like on the schedule. So my dad was like, "Dude, we gotta, we gotta go." And then Coach added a practice, so I was like, uh, "If I would have been there," and he actually went without me. Yeah, very dad. And then he like watched them, watched Jalen Nuro. Catch the ball at the five yard line, fourth and goal, and just run right into his offensive line, and then they go to the go to the championship, and then we all know what happened next, don't we, David? Yeah, well, I mean, you got tickets to the Super Bowl this year. Like, I turned an NFC Championship game off at halftime. Your Lions were winning by like three touchdowns. You got to see him playing the Super Bowl. How'd that feel? Oh, crap. Well, at least the not team up bad, north. At not least... as bad. Not as bad as. Not as bad as the giving up forty-eight points at home in the first round. Listen, listen. <laughs> oh, wait, that's a distant Dan. Hold up. No, no, hold on. For everyone that's listening, this is how much I am rent-free in this guy's head. I'm not even in the conversation. I'm sitting back, and it manages to be a Cowboys run. Just, just that we're where I did not say anything to you. Um, well, hey, Mike, Mike McCarthy was just trying to do right by his Packers, you know. He he wished he could still be in the green and gold, but we breed winners over there, man. I will also say, I will also I mean, say, if you, if you bred has... winners, I feel like Rodgers would have more than one Super Bowl. But the most talented quarterback of all time should probably have more than one Super Bowl. I'd assume, but okay, that, that's, many, that's fair. That's fair. And then again, how many playoff how many playoff wins do the Cowboys have in your lifetime? We have we have a few, yeah. I mean, we have five Super Bowls, so that I can go back. How many? Watch. How many of those ABC. were? Not I, even how many I, of those I, were I, you I, alive I, for? How many of those were your? Dan, 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 Dan. I'm not even going to say how many of those were you alive for. No, 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 Dan, Dan, Dan. How many of those suit is bad? The Jets are equally as bad, from what I know. How many? The Jets Dan. have been, what? Mark Sanchez had one conference championship run. That's the best you've done. Two. Can't forget about the butt fumble. Yeah, I got to see that in my lifetime, though. I got to see two conference championships runs. Okay. Not only that's, that's I've seen one. I've you're, seen one. You're just getting to the <laughs> you You're getting to watch an extra 60 minutes of football each year. Congratulations. Like, what do you want? Listen, you know, Dan, you brought, up, you brought up five Super Bowls. You brought up five Super Bowls. I'm not even going to say how many of those were you alive for. Shout out DJ. I know he's listening. How many of those were your parents married for? Because we can go back a generation, and I still think the answer might be zero. I would say I think – well, they got married in 97, so they weren't 
None of them when they were married. But my dad got to see what three, three. So I'm glad I, that DJ. I'm glad that DJ did, and I'm glad that you didn't. Yes, absolutely. Second that. <laughs> awesome. Cowboys fans are hard to listen to. Oh, I've been doing it for like eight years. Drew <laughs> and the Jets are I, all, Jets and Lions both. The the thing that's my I, favorite is the Jets and Lions have also won as little as we have. But since the Cowboys fans are bigger targets, it's always going to be on the Cowboys. Okay, you well, can't you can't hate on the Detroit Lions. You can't hate them. Everyone has to love the Lions. I don't. I don't. Hate you them can't. You can't hate them. As a Packer fan, like our our some. Um, uh, athletic trainer, he's a Lions fan. And so I was joking with him about the games, and I was like, you can't hate on the Lions. You just can't hate on the Lions. They're, they're, they're almost America's team. They are America's team. They don't That's say they are, but they are. You say that, but I know a lot of people who just play the downfall of our sports teams, and that was a big <laughs> one. I had to turn my phone off for a couple days. I had to talk to these guys for a day. I would have been fine. I would have been fine. <laughs> I I just like how um it was between David and Nick, and then Nick, you just totally throw it on Daniel like that. Oh, yeah, it's like I, I was, yeah. I was waiting for David to respond, and then I was like, I was waiting solid. for David to respond, and then he was like, "Wait, that's not towards me." And he just throws it over to Daniel. I'm like, "Okay, I see how <laughs> it is. Comeback, I like this." My comeback would have been, you know, Dave's never witnessed Michigan. Beating Ohio State as an Ohio State. Those wins student, don't count. So. They're vacated. Vacated wins. Vacated wins. Vacated wins. Vacated wins. I mean, you got CJ Stroud. You got three rookie of the year wide receivers: Jackson Smith and Jigba, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. What do you do with that? And you got binoculars. A guy making forty k sitting midfield at every single game, and an entirely eliminated playbook with every single play call. Why do you think Hart? What? Only three national championship coaches in the 145 years of college football have left their team following a season that they won a national title. I wonder why you're running to the NFL where you can get away with a little bit more. He just he just had to prove to himself that he could get one. So he went and get, got okay. one, and now he's going to go get one in the NFL. Well, I feel really bad for Dan's Oregon Duck, Justin Herbert. But I'm going to get into my memorable moments, and then we can uh, hate on both of your teams some more. I'm, not, I'm just going to go with the top three. I'm not even going to do any sad stuff. In order, number three, which I never thought this would get beat until this past week, has to be sophomore year, number one Duke coming into town, down by 15, 16 at halftime. EJ Liddell, Malachi Branham, and Cedric Russell legacy game. Zed Key gave Mark Williams like 20 and 10. Amazing. Court storm. Poetic. Number two has to be last night, Breslin Center. I mean, the last time Ohio State won at Michigan State, I was 10 years old. It was 12 years ago. To be a part of that, down 10 virtually most of the second half. Keep punching, keep punching, keep punching. And then Dale Bonner, I mean, onions, onions. And then number one, I mean, everyone knows what it's going to be. has to be last Sunday, so eight days ago. Number two, Purdue. Coach Holt got fired. Unfortunate situation. Coach Diebler, who one of my biggest mentors, love that man, phenomenal leader, basketball mind. He's going to be sensational wherever he ends up. Comes in, gets the team on course. Number two, everyone's doubting half the arena's Purdue fans and should just stick it to them all game. 
get that win the locker room after i mean those are the moments that it's all about so that's gonna be my top three an honorable mention is gonna be the countless times that we've gotten to beat down on the minnesota golden gophers never gets old for me (laughs) hey the only one that's relevant is the last one right fair fair we'll be we'll be back in your city in two weeks we'll see what happens that, that is true. Big Ten tournaments here. Wait, are we yeah. are we two and one in the last three in first you guys? We play. I, I'm talking about my year. my total my total body of work. Okay, I'm, in my total body, I think we're two and one. So I, I think I think we if we can call it even then. Yeah. I think what yeah, two, we really want to see, at least what Nick and I want to see, is the highlights of the Minnesota Ohio State manager game between Dave and Drew, and really who was giving the other the other one some work. I think it was a whole lot of cardio on both ends. Yeah, I you want honest, honest like this. This happened. I played eight like eight minutes in the first half, and the only time I touched the ball was when I tipped a rebound. <laughs> the the only time like my the guys like like I, I love my managers like you know we're we're trying to go down the final four this year we're trying to make it down there, and I just like I'm like I'm I'm here for the ball I'm in the corner. And they all know if I'm in the corner and I'm not guarded and still not open, they they just they just like you know what just get back on defense. And I I I heard it because um someone was doing a crab dribble in and I I go to help out you like little swipe down and they kick it right back out and one of your guys shoots it and makes a three and I'm just shaking my head walking down the court because I'm just just like don't help and I'm like I thought I could make a play there but I just did not make a play. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a whole lot, whole lot of cardio out of me. But it was, it was a close one. It was our closest one yet. Yeah, no, it was a fun game. I, I, I provided some quality for my team. Played about twenty minutes. Only took two shots, one to two, three points from the three point line. Had about like six rebounds, steal, a couple assists. You know, all around, did my part. Try to keep us in it, but unfortunately came up short. But. Might be getting a rematch here, you know, Big Ten tournament. You never know. So might have to. We'll, might we might have to schedule like a little manager like run thing, like get together, do some runs, maybe mix up the teams even. That'd be sick. I'll have to reach out. I mean, we got our home gym right here. Hey, we we can set something up. We can be in touch. Yeah, let, let, let's let's set something up. Let's see what we can do. Because you mentioned Dave the court storming when you guys played Duke. Obviously, you've seen. The past few weeks, the court storming has been a big thing in the media. Like, what are your guys' opinions on? Obviously, we've seen Caitlin Clark fall to the ground when she got hit by a fan, and we've now seen Kyle Filipowski get hit and ankle banged up. What, what's your guys' whole take on the whole thing, and what would you kind of do to fix it? Yeah, I have my opinion is very flamboyant, but I think it's the right thing to do. You take away the fine. I know the SEC does that. I think that's stupid. You know if you're about to get the upset. You train your security. You let the students know if you step on the court early, we have cameras, you're going to get fined, something like that. You keep the students off the floor. You take 30 seconds, players shake hands, opposing team jogs to the locker room. Then you drop the ropes and let everyone celebrate. It's historic. It's tradition. You're not going to take away court storming. I think that would be a disservice to college basketball, but player safety should also be number one priority. You assign, you know, 30, 90 seconds, however long it takes. Let the teams clear out. Then you can party. Or at least get them into the handshake line and then surround them. Something yeah. like that. 
Yeah, I so don't think I've never experienced yeah. a court storm here. What is it like as a manager? Because like I would like our director already know would be screaming like, "Get the game ball, lock down the bench, you like get everything out of there." Like, what what is that like? Like, what do you, what do you have to do there? I'm I'm so curious. I'll I'll go because we had one or my time here. We've only had one court storm, and that was my freshman year. We beat UCLA, who I think, like I said, I talked about it earlier. They were they were top ten. I don't remember where they were at that point, but it was a they were a good enough ranking to storm the court. And I remember I would or no Alex, Dave, and Nick know about who Alex is, one of our managers, our head manager now. Uh, it was his job to get the game ball. So he comes like he him and I our freshman years are mopping on the ends of the baskets, and I just remember seeing Alex in an all out sprint to get that game ball. And I think my job, I had uh, I had to get the coolers, the rest coolers from the underneath the baskets. So I'm grabbing the coolers and I'm like running across the court as everybody else is court storming. So it looks like I'm also court storming, but I'm really trying to get to the other side. So it's a lot of chaos is, is the short answer for that. It's chaos when it comes to court storming uh, for us managers. Well, yeah, I don't know what's up with Oregon managers. They might not have a system. Here, we're properly trained ever since the Duke game by Tyler Hicks, who's now a GA at Illinois State. We have four guys behind the bench. They secure, you know, iPad, court boards, stat boards, water bottles, all that. And then we have two freshmen on each end. They're responsible for the game ball. And you can go back and watch the film. If we end up making this a reel, I'll put it over. When we beat number one Duke, you can see Jeremy Roach shoot a half-court shot at the buzzer. And I was mopping. And as soon as that ball's in the air, you can see on the ESPN broadcast, I come sprinting onto the court, play it like a one-hop, like I'm Bryce Harper in the outfield, scoop it up, ball in hand, then I start moshing. So, I mean, you you just really got to go. You got to make a play. It's not chaotic. You know, big-time players make big-time plays. Big-time managers make big-time plays. I was trained for that. I think Dan just needs to get some more reps in, get back to the, you know, practice gym, work on whatever he needs to work on. And that chaos will turn into moments where – you can either rise or fall, and we'll see what happens next. I'm going to have to go back and look for that clip that of you taking it off the one hop. I'm really interested to see that. I'll send it to you. It was pretty. I mean, you know, Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Shohei Otani, Judge, and I think it was Lindor reached out to me. You know, they wanted to get better fielding attributes in MLB The Show and just all around trying to get that golden glove. So they reached out to me and wanted to, you know, see some form, you know, played off the one hop, the hip twist. Like, it's pretty, pretty stuff. Yeah, and like so, like you guys just clear the court, and you just go join the mosh pit. Like, yeah. So if I was if I was a manager, I was thinking like I'd want to be the one getting the game ball, then so I could join right away instead of locking down the bench. Like, especially like at our at our reading with the stairs, how big of an issue that'd be clearing the court. Like we we could not clear it fast at all. We couldn't just like kind of push everything. We'd have to just take handfuls of stuff. That'd almost be dangerous if that court gets over flooded. I'd be fearful of kids like slipping and falling off the edge. I think that happened last when we they they beat Indiana when they were top ranked with Victor Oladipo. I think last last time a court stormed here, to my knowledge, or that that was the main one that I see pictures of everywhere. But I'm hoping hoping we get court stormed sometime here in the, this year or next year. What what home games do you have left? Is there the opportunity or probably not? Oh, I guess I guess yeah. There's not really. We don't have any ranked teams here. I guess yeah. So next year, let's let's hope someone comes in and we we're just we're ready to go. We're ready to just beat them and get that court storm going. You know, I always root for my 
ducks for Danny. But there's something about a top-ranked Oregon team going into the barn and getting upset that part of me would be really satisfied seeing. And I think I can speak for Nick in that as well. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. That'd be cool next year. Look at his face. Yeah, it's... I, I think a gopher beats a duck a hundred times in a row in a fight. Well, well, I, I mean, let's let's be honest. For me, if we are a top ranked team next season, I, I would be okay with that if we end up dropping one in Minnesota. If we are a top ranked team, because that would be a huge step from, you know, where we're at right now. But see, yeah, because like when you when you get court stormed as an away team, that's like a certain level of respect on you as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and you know, it'd be uh, be kind of kind of fun to to be in an atmosphere like that. Obviously I wouldn't want the game outcome to be like that, but it would be very cool to kind of have everyone care so much because of how good you are as a team. So it's a sign of respect. You're going to see all the students trip over the the raised court. I was just going to say, there's going to be students who are like going to need medical attention, like 15, 20 students, like instantly hurting their legs. As soon as that first line hits, they'd be tripping. It's not not a friendly friendly area to be be in right down there too. There's and, like and of um, course there's there's definitely some students who aren't completely sober at these basketball games. So that no, also they're gonna be crawling on the court. Right. That's awesome. I thought you know approaching the forty minute mark here. This has been phenomenal, Drew. Just want to thank you again for taking the time. I think this was very insightful. Great stories and a whole lot of fun. Anytime you know we can get Dan's face turning some shades of red and pink. I think that's a great episode. So appreciate you helping us do that. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. I had a ton of fun here. Dan, you look like you want to say something there. You good or you you just want to hit the outro and get out of here. I'm good. I just, I, uh, I'm just happy to see that, you know, if if an argument between Nick and Dave happens and Nick wants to throw me under the bus, I know where, uh, where I where I'm up there in his head, so I'm just I'm happy that the true colors were shown today on the podcast. So. That's all I have to say. All I know. And, and you're not even making payments; you're just rent free. Yeah, penthouse too. Pen, penthouse up there, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, no, this was great. Appreciate anyone who listened this far, and as always, keep it out. Peace.